Yes, and good morning to you guys. We're glad that you are here. You know, that's an old Casting Crown song that still is just good. If we are the body. I was listening to that song where he talked about when we step on heaven's shore, you know, and, and death is a memory and tears are no more. Shoot, we got every reason to be happy, not sad. We, we, we got, listen, we got reason to do business because, man, there's something better coming even than this. And so that's just a good thing. Well, we're glad. I guess you already figured out we're starting a new series today. And this series has a little bit of history. Um, we had, oh, by the way, Brent, you know, I just remembered, I just remembered next week is time change weekend. Isn't it? Am I right? Yeah. So don't forget that next weekend. You might show up and nobody be here or something anyway. But, but, but regardless, you know, last year we had just had our big send off for Kim and Chris um, you know, that was the deal. And uh, I think it was after that week, we, um, we had the big meeting and they announced they were closing the schools and things were shut down. Well, this was supposed to start the first Sunday um, that we were in lockdown and shutdown. And of course, we were still on Facebook, but I said, oh my goodness, this is a good series, but we need, we need to talk right now into the situation that we were in. And are in then. So this got put on the shelf. It stayed in my Dropbox um, all this time until uh, now's the time. And what's funny is, is, as usual, God's timing was much better than my timing. Because the message today is more applicable than it's ever been before. So our big picture is taking care of business. His biz is our biz. His business is our business. And again, this was not the message that was planned. This one I just wrote, but, but it's doing business until then. And honestly, it's a good tie-in for what we want to talk about, about orphans and widows. is a great tie-in there, but it's also a great tie-in just for the fact of where we are in our culture today. Well, if you remember, and boy, do you remember, when you remember the fact that when this all happened last year, Boy, businesses were shut down. Uh, the government mandate came and restaurants and gyms and all those different things were shut down. And then eventually it got even worse. I mean, for goodness sake, they closed down Best Buy. Um, can you believe that? So we went through that period of time and slowly things began to open and ease up. But it never was the same. And the truth is, um, a lot of businesses went out of business. You know, it was, it was the government mandate closing them for a certain length of time. Um, it now is supply and demand. Um, you know, you go to Walmart. The, I talk to my friend Jeremy all the time, and he talks about the fact that he orders things. You can't. He said you can't order farm-raised U.S. You know, catfish, farm-raised U.S. catfish. You can't even find it. You can't even find that. It's just not. It doesn't exist. You're eating. You know, if you go to the restaurant and eat catfish, chances are you're eating something from Vietnam. You can't even find it. And if you've been to Walmart, you know all about it. By the way, you know toilet paper is hard to find again. Oh, my goodness, here we go again. So all of that, all of that, it's just so crazy. But a lot of these businesses simply shut down. And it wasn't just businesses. You know, I'm not talking about the church being on the man down shut down. We opened back in May. Um, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about a lot of people went out of business spiritually. A lot of people kind of reached the conclusion after a few months, they said, you know what, I'm not sure I need church anymore. And it's not just a Doorsville thing, it's not a, a local thing, it's a national thing in America that a lot of people just went out of business spiritually with God. Oh, they weren't mad at God, okay? They, were, they weren't mad at God, they just simply didn't see the need for church anymore. Um, I remember I came back from a conference that was really a 
providential thing. And with Tom Rainer, he's a consultant, church consultant. And he said, you watch. He said, when this is all said and done, about 20 to 30% um, will not come back to church. 20, 30%. They're not mad at God. They're not mad at you, Dwayne. They just aren't coming back to church. And if you look around this morning, this is a decent crowd. But if you went back to, to February of last year of 2020, oh my goodness, there have been a lot more people here. It's just a fact of where we are. And my message today is, this series actually, is how can we not go out of business? Um, the keynote thought I had, I, it's funny, I remembered a year later, I didn't have to look at my notes. In fact, it's not on my notes, okay? But the idea was this, um, if you are not intentional with your faith. If, you're, if your faith doesn't turn a profit, you will go out of business. If, if your faith is not profiting you, if, if coming to church is not profiting you, if reading your Bible is not profiting you, if your prayer life is not profitable, if you don't find a reason, a purpose for what you do God-wise, if you don't do that, if it's not turning a profit, then spiritually, you'll find yourself out of business. And my goal in the next four weeks is to encourage us, is to make sure that doesn't happen to us individually. It doesn't happen to us as families, and nor does it happen to us as a church. So I'm excited about this series. It probably won't be as heartthrob as Graze the Gardens. It won't be as heartthrob as, as the Fruit of the Spirit series this summer. But it's so stinking practical. And God, even this morning, gave me a couple of new things to share with you, which I'm excited to share. So we're going to look then, um, doing business until then, and really because of the changes that I made in it, we're only going to tag James chapter 1, verse 27 from James. But we're going to jump off into Luke chapter 2 and verse number 49. Luke chapter 2 and verse 49. Now you know this story, um, even if you can't tell it from that part. Um, Jesus is 12 years old, and Mary and Joseph you know, constantly went to church and in fact annually they went to Jerusalem and they would take the family along and they would go okay and they did that all right and when their Jerusalem thing was done all right when it's time to go home they they loaded up the station wagon all right and then off they went back you know toward where they lived okay so that's where they're going and so about a day later you know about a day later I think it, was, it had to be Mary because Joseph well you know how dads are you know but but Mary said to to Joseph and said, have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? That's not like a great line for me. Have you seen Jesus? Yeah. Hey, has anybody seen? So they start asking around and to the family and stuff. And this, this was not bad parenting, okay? I mean, you would travel in a group, you know, and, and your son may travel with one of the other group, with, you know, with the other family members. So it wasn't bad parenting. But anyway, they started going around and nobody had Jesus, they had left him. They had gone a whole day's journey, okay, and no one had Jesus, all right? So, so they go back, and amazingly, they look for three days. Now, Jerusalem's a big place. Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? They look around for three days, and, and verse 49 picks up, okay, where, when they find him. And they say, and I think they said something like this. This is totally Dwayne paraphrasing. You know, hey, hey, Jesus, what's up? You know, we've been looking for you forever. And then his response is so eye-opening. Again, keep it in mind about being in business. Here's what he said. He said to them, why did you seek me? Why did you seek me? It's, it's almost like he's saying, he's almost like saying, 
why couldn't you find me? I mean, you know, you know who I am. You, you know, now, now, by the way, and we have every, you know, no evidence to believe, you know, when Jesus, after Christmas was done, you know, Jesus kind of like was a normal guy, a number, normal son, 12 years old. He was a normal 12 year old. Okay. You know, you know, I don't think he was like turning milk, you order, water into milk. I don't think he was doing that. You know, you wanted a bottle. So psh, there it was a milk bottle. Okay. I don't think he did any of that. We have no evidence that he did that. He was just a normal kid. And he was a normal man up until that time. Up until that time. He didn't use his, his power. Uh, we have no record of him keeping record, you know, of him using his power uh, before he turned 30 when he began his public ministry. But, but he says, you know, why did you see me? Why, why did you look for three days for me? You know, you, and that's it, you, that plural you. It's almost like, it's almost like he's saying, of all people, hey, dad, mom, of all people, why did it take you three days to find me? Of all the people, why did it take you three days to find me? And then he says this, did you not know, or don't, <laughs> don't you remember? <laughs> did you not know, don't you remember that I must be about my father's business? I mean, I mean, I may be 12 years old, but, but the one thing that's on my mind is being about the father's business. And what he was doing when they found him, he was teaching, you know, the rabbis. He was teaching the teachers about this. And they were amazed at his wisdom and amazed at his knowledge. Don't you know that I have to be about my father's business? So I thought about that. And I said, okay, that's a fair question. Why did you seek me? Hey, Mom. Hey, Dad. Hey, hey, Mary, who, who was the virgin who conceived Jesus and who had a visit from the angel. And Joseph, who, who knew that virgin, you know, Mary was a virgin and he was the earthly father and he had a visit from the angel. And, and the both of them experienced the, the, the shepherds showing up, the magi showing up, the angels singing, the bright star. They all saw that. Why did you have to seek me? Didn't you just know where I would be and what I would be doing? Well, that's a really valid question. And I think God gave me something that's really important for us today. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's, from, it's biblical. It's biblical. Now, we know that Joseph, Brent, Joseph just kind of, he died sometime. Some, sometime in between public ministry and he was 12, there's, not, there's a gap there. And sometime during that, most theologians just believe that Joseph died. So, so Mary would have been a, a single mother, a, a widow, if you will, raising her family, okay? But during this time, I mean, already 12 years has been, you know how memory is, 12 years has passed since Christmas. So it's logical that some of the wonder and wow would probably be wearing off. And as time progressed with Mary, it's logical to assume that that continued. So I think there are, there are two things I want to share with you that Mary may have, you know, Mary did wrestle with, with Jesus. And guess what? I want to share two things with you today that you probably wrestle with, with God and with Jesus. And the first is what I just mentioned, time. Time. As time progresses, we have a, t if we're not careful, as time progresses, we have a tendency to let something wonderful fade. As time progresses, you know, as the first Christmas, as the first Christmas faded into memory, 12 years, 20 years, 23 years, 27 years. And again, we have every reason to believe that Jesus was, was just being a son, 
being perfect, of course, but being a son, working as a carpenter. The wonder of that went on. And see, the deal is, just like that happened with Mary, it happens with us. I don't know what your last significant event was. You know, my, my, big, my big deal is October 26, 1975. That's when I got saved, okay? And I, I celebrate it every year. You look on my calendar right now, go to my Google calendar, my spiritual birthday, you know? G wakes up and says, happy birthday, Dwayne, okay? So it's such a big deal. But, but maybe it's not that for you. Maybe, when was your last significant spiritual event? Was it an answer to prayer? Was God healed you of disease? Um, what Was it your marriage turned around? Was your child got saved? Whatever it was, okay? So think of the last significant spiritual event. And you're, you know and I know, as time progresses, the significance of that event, unless we cultivate it, will fade. And I cultivate October 26th of my life. It took, me, it took me so long to get there. I was in church all my life, and I didn't get saved until I was 21. So I want to make sure I don't lose the significance of that event. That's why it's on my Google calendar. I don't ever want October 26, 1975, or whatever year it happens to be, to, to roll through and me wake up the day after and go, Oh, that was the day I got saved. Yeah, that's just me. But what is it, what what is it in your life, even day-by-day stuff, your Jesus stuff that you do every day, what are you doing to cultivate it to make sure it doesn't become stale? What are you doing to make sure your Jesus stuff not only does not become stale, it becomes stronger every day? Mary had to do that. Mary had to do that. Mary had to refresh Christmas in her mind. Mary had to refresh Christmas in her mind. Don't you dare think that that Mary was never tempted to forget. I know she was because, well, she was human, but because of what I know about the family. See, the first thing that we have to be careful of is time. If we don't cultivate our faith, okay, it'll become stale instead of strong. And we're in danger of going out of business. A lot of people in COVID went out of business. They weren't cultivating their faith, and it grew stale. It grew stale. The second thing, and write this down, is influence. Influence. I'm going to tell you something about Jesus that you may not know. His brothers didn't believe in him. His brothers didn't believe in him. I mean, they, they gathered up one day. It was Mary and the family. They show up, and they send a message to Jesus through one of the disciples. said, hey, um, would you let Jesus know we're here to talk to him? And um, Jesus said, and not being rude, Jesus would never be rude. And this is when he's like, you know, 31, you know, in his public ministry. And so, and so, you know, he says, see these people listening to the word of God? They're my brothers and my mother. They are. And he wasn't being rude. He wasn't blowing them off. He was just stating the fact that this is what he was about. His business was sharing the good news of, of God's love for this world. That's what he did, okay? All that's not really significant until you read John seven fifteen, And it says this. His brothers did not believe in him. So we find Mary who is hanging on to an event that happened 31 years before called Christmas. She's hanging on to the memory of that. And every day she wakes up and at the breakfast table, you know, James, the half-brother, says, 
I don't, I, don't, I don't agree with you on this Jesus thing. I don't believe my brother is the Messiah. Are you getting this? I don't, and Dwayne, I didn't make that up. His brothers, John 7, 15, his brothers did not believe in him. So every day, Mary clinging to the hope or the past of Christmas, you know, she's in an, she's in an anti-Jesus environment. Tell me that's not impactful. Because you are too. And if you don't guard your faith, you're going to find yourself in a mess. Because they sell a pretty good argument, they being culture, about why you shouldn't believe in God and why you shouldn't believe in Jesus. That's why, listen, you want to know why you ought to come to church? You want to know why you have a quiet time? You want to know why you should be a student of the Word of God? You want to know why you should have a prayer life? That's why. Because if you're not careful, your faith will become stale. And you'll go out of, oh, you won't lose your salvation. I just want to say that. But I'm saying you'll go out of business spiritually. What you're passionate about now, you won't be passionate about one day. Well, it gets worse. It gets worse. Over in Mark chapter 3 and verse 21, Mark records for us the words that, and his family tried to restrain him because they thought he was crazy. They thought he was crazy. Now, again, here's Mary clinging on to Christmas 31 years ago, and every day she wakes up, and here's the words, Mark... My brother's crazy. Mom, when are you going to get over it? When are you going to get over it, Mom? He has an issue. When you are bombarded with that day in and day out, you're in danger of going out of business. You've got to strengthen your faith. If you want to know why you need to roll out of bed and go to church and go to Sunday school and have a quiet time and have prayer, if you want to know why, that's it. If your faith means anything to you at all, you have got to guard it. Is this making any sense? I mean, if it happened to Mary, you think it's going to happen to you? In this culture, in this anti-Jesus culture? Yeah. Yeah, it can happen. It sure can happen. So, so he said, why do you seek me? Don't you know, don't you remember that I must be about my father's business? So our teaching point is this. Even at age 12, even at age 12, Jesus knew the father's business was his business. He may not have practiced his powers. He may not have used his powers. He may have restrained his powers. Okay? But he knew. He knew the father's business was his business. And in the exact same way, okay, his business must be our business. His business must be our business. Now, he didn't leave us here to, to have some kind of a club thing where we get to feel good every Sunday. I'm glad we got great worship. I hope we faithfully teach the Word of God. We have friends. There's, there's fellowships. <laughs> Lots of fish fries. You know, all that stuff. That's great. But that's not the deal. The deal is his business must be our business. His business must be our business. Now, we're living in a peculiar time, I feel like. You know, I've said so many times over my 38 years of preaching, and I'm not the only one, that it seems like these are the last days. And we're, and we're seeing things that indicate, 
you know, end time specific things that might be pointing um, to that. Well, Luke chapter 19, um, in verse number 12, Jesus tells a parable, okay? And he says this in Luke 19, 12. He says, therefore, he said, uh, and this is such a beautiful picture. Uh, Jesus has to be told by himself. Therefore, he said, a noble man, well, there's no more noble man than Jesus, a noble man traveled to a far country. So he left where he was and went somewhere else that was a far way off to receive for himself authority. Authority to do what? To be a king, and then he was going to return. Brothers and sisters, this is what happened. This is the story. One day, the Bible says this nobleman, that was Jesus, traveled to a far country. We're going to talk about it in Acts chapter 1 in just a moment. And he went to receive for himself authority. Have you ever noticed in Matthew 28, 18, it says, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. He went to heaven to receive authority and to be made a king. And guess what? He's coming back. He is coming back. All right? This all happened. Wonderful scriptures. Um, If you want to write this down, the authority to be a king, write down uh, Psalm um, 24. Write down Psalm 24, and it talks about him being a king. Again, Matthew uh, 28, 18, about being authority. Uh, A far country in Hebrews where Abraham said, you know, they said of Abraham, he was looking for a city whose maker and foundation builder was God. Was God. That far country is heaven. So this is all about when Jesus went away. And the promise that he is coming back. And brothers and sisters, I promise you, he is coming back. And then there's verse 13. It says this. Verse 13. He called, the nobleman, he called ten of his servants and gave them ten mayas. Okay, so in the parable, again, depicting the picture of Jesus... He called ten of his servants. And the word ten here, let let me read this to you. The number ten in the Bible um, is is things like um, testimony, um, law, the Ten Commandments, responsibility, and completeness. And so you you need because there were ten servants and ten mayas. And the maya, each maya, excuse me, the ten mayas was equal to three months' wages. So the nobleman's going to leave. He calls his servants together and he says, okay... Here is 10 mayas. Here is three months' wage, okay? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to engage in business until I come back. I want you to do business till I come back. I want you to do business. I want you to be profitable until I come back. And look, that is what Jesus told the church. See, we've got to understand why we're here. See, we can get really frustrated with the culture today, but the more I think about it, we are facing the greatest mission field and mission opportunity in the history of man in America anyway. In our, in our 245 years or 244 years, we have the greatest opportunity because we have a culture that is getting stretched to the limit. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, they're getting more and more and more disillusioned and they are going to be wanting a Savior and we know the Savior and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to be about the business till He comes back. Now listen, we have been distracted by COVID. 
We have fussed. We have fought about mag, a mask or no mask. We got all involved in our politics and we divide the church over that. And boy, Satan's just sitting back going, hmm, hmm, because he knows as long as we're divided about mask or politics or whatever it is, we are not about business like God has called us to be about business. We have got to come together, folks. Amen. We have, oh, oh, oh. And by the way, it's just not Dorisville. Pick your church and visit one. Pick the little country church. Pick the big church. It don't matter. We're more concerned about cloth and politics than we are people lost and going to hell. We have got to be about the Father's business. Engage in business until I come back. That is the mandate that he has given us. Now, Dwayne is there. After that little passionate spill, um, it would be nice if you had a scripture to sort of back up your opinion that this represents Jesus and, and, you know, he told us to do business. I just happen to have one. And it, take your Bibles or look on the screen and look at Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. Acts chapter, this is post-resurrection, but Jesus is fixing to ascend. Here's what it says. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now that happens in Acts chapter 2 the day of Pentecost, the birth of the church. That's when it happens, okay? But notice something. You'll receive power, and what are we to do with that power of the Holy Spirit? Oh, we use it to get our way in the church. Oh, we'll do it to promote our denomination. No, no. When you receive this power, he says, you will be my witnesses. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to do the business that we've been left to do till he comes back. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit so we would have power to do the business. To do the business. Well, what is the business, Dwayne? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The business is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. There is no plan B. We are plan A. And it's important that the church once again gain its focus that we are to be witnesses. Individually, that is true, but it's also true of the church. Now, look at this. He says, you will be my... Now, keep in mind, he's talking to maybe 40, 50 people. It's bigger than 12, okay? But just a few people, all right? He's fixing to give the speech. and He's going to go away, all right? So he's speaking to these few, and he gives this commission to change the world to about 60, 70, 80, 120 people. There are 120 in the upper room. We know that much. Okay? So, so he gives this, and their, their commission is to change the known world. Guess what our commission is? To change the known world. To change the known world. He says, go ahead and start in Jerusalem. That's your hometown. That's your hometown. You know, we, we are to be witnesses in Harrisburg. And by the way, when we're being witnesses in Harrisburg, it would help if we're a positive witness and not a negative witness. It'd be nice if the people out in Harrisburg spoke favorably of Jesus because of us and not negatively because of Jesus because of us. Just, just would be that. It'd be better. 
So, so I'm glad to report to you that Dorisville is being a witness in Harrisburg. Was it just two weeks ago? We were out at the park and we saw literally hundreds of people come and we worked with 12 other churches, unity, coming together and sharing the love of Jesus the best way we knew how. And, and then there's the back-to-school event. And there, well, you know, you know Dorisville. You know we do things locally. We are known, by the way, as a church that ministers to people. Thank God for that. He says, you're to be witnesses in Jerusalem. But don't stop there, he said. You're also to be witnesses in Judea. I guess that's open for interpretation, but it seems logical to me is that the church, not, including Dorisville, the church is to be a witness in our nation. Judah was, Judea was the nation. And the church is to be a witness in the nation. I am fearful what kind of witness we are being in our nation. More and more people want nothing to do with God because they want nothing to do with us. We are not known of a people of love and forgiveness. We're known as a people who eat each other. Let's just be truthful. We'll never change if we don't speak the truth. The church has got to be the church. The church has got to be Jesus. If it's not, we will not change America. I'll tell you again, I'll tell you today. The answer is not who lives in the White House or the State House. The answer to the problem in America is Jesus Christ and none other but Jesus Christ. And we've got to get that message out. We've got to get that message out. And Samaria. This is so unusual. Jesus in his wisdom says, yeah, you're going to be witnesses in your, where you live. And you're going to be witnesses out, in the, out from where you live. But Samaria. Samaria is not a city. Samaria is a race. A race. See, Jesus, well, you know, first you know that the Jews hated Samaritans. The Jews were the more thans and the Samaritans were the less thans. Does that sound familiar in our culture? And the Samaritans, naturally and almost understandably, hated the Jews. So when he says, when he says that you are to be witnesses to Samaria, he is saying that you are to embrace the problem of racism and you are to say racism will not be a factor for us. We will share the love of Jesus. We will live the love of Jesus no matter what color a person's skin is. It don't matter. It don't matter. So, so the church is not to be leading the charge in racism. We're to be leading the charge in reconciliation. That's what we're supposed to be about, he said. And then the ends of the earth. Now imagine, you got at most 120 people here. And he's telling you, you're going to be witnesses to the world? To the world? And that we are. And this, Brent, I think this is enough to keep us busy. I bet if we did this, we wouldn't worry about masks. I, I bet we wouldn't worry about politics. I, I bet, I bet if, we, if we were so busy doing this stuff... I just bet we could get a lot more done if we ignored the other stuff. Amen. <laughs> Trick or treat. <laughs> it's Halloween. You know, we're to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. Well, the Bible says in verse number nine, you know, he, he uh, just sort of ascended. After he had said this, boom, 
He was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Boom. Gone. Gone. And, and verse 10, verse 10 is just too good. So, so while, he was go- while he was going, they were gazing. While he was going, they were looking. See? Like, wow. Can you believe that? And that's just amazing. I wonder how long they would have stood there if the two guys hadn't showed up. They, they may have been there three months later, Brent going, hey, that's all me at the mountain. Let's go up and look at the clouds again. Church spent, boy, the first service didn't get this. The church spends a whole lot of time looking at clouds. Boy, those are great clouds. Boy, you, you remember when one of those clouds took Jesus up? Yeah, I remember that. That was great. You know, God gave me something, and I'm going to take time and say it slowly and spell it for you. The wonder, W-O-N-D-R, the wonder of the gospel can cause us to wonder, W-A-N-D-E-R, from the heart of the gospel. The wonder, W-O-N-D-E-R, of the gospel can cause us to wonder, W-A-N-D-E-R, from the heart of the gospel. In other words, we get feeling so good about what happens and what we're doing, and we all like to worship, and preacher didn't preach for 35 minutes, it's a good day at Dorisville. We get all enamored with this, and we lose the heart of the gospel. And the heart of the gospel happens outside those doors. The gospel, the heart of the gospel, happens outside those doors. We have got to be about the Father's business. See, if we're not careful, we become so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. We all get wrapped up in the concerts and and, and the preacher and the programs and all of that. We lose sight of the heart of the gospel. I didn't know it, but Johnny Cash wrote a song about this. And it's called No Earthly Good, No Heavenly Good. Come hear me, good brothers. Come here, one and all. Don't brag about standing or you'll surely fall. You're shining your light and shine it you should. But you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. No earthly good, you're no earthly The heartbeat of the gospel is serving and loving and sharing the gospel. Don't get so heavenly minded. We lose that. Churches will go to a church just, people will go to a church just because the music is good. Oh, I've heard they got a good music program down there. Make sure the heartbeat of the church you attend is the gospel of Jesus. So why do you stand there, they said, looking up into heaven? Why are you, this is verse 11, so, so, so why do you stand there looking at these clouds? I mean, there must have been an urgency because they just wonder. They've been there just a few minutes and the angels are saying, the two guys are saying, so, so yeah, so why are you looking at these clouds? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. In other words, he who shall come will come. 
Jesus is coming back. And, and, the, and the urgency of the gospel is that very fact. People, again, this will be, I'm going to be at the funeral at the graveyard, and it'll be my fourth funeral this week. People are dying. And in a moment, you say, well, why was the angel... What's wrong with standing around looking at the clouds? Because every minute we stand around looking at the clouds, people are dying and going to a Christless hell. That's why. That's the deal. That's why we don't have time for this other stuff. We've got to be about the Father's business. He who went will come back. And that's where I'm... I'm seeing these end-time specific things. You know, I, if you know me, if you've listened to me, I rarely mention the government. I'll let the politicians worry about that. And there's a place for it, but it's not my pulpit. God's pulpit. But this is something you need to hear today. A while back, um, about a month, I was watching the news, and I don't. I watch the morning news, and I get the weather, and I watch a couple of stories. And, and on that morning... One of the stories was about the government mandate for vaccinations. Now, I've got my vaccination. I got it in January. Nobody tell, told me. I got it. Okay? But, but that particular morning, it was a protest about the government mandate to get a vaccine, which sounds a little crazy, to be honest with you. But they had a sign. They were holding a sign up, and it said, no jab, no job. And I, I just thought about that. I said, no jab. In other words, if you don't get jabbed, you don't have a job. No jab, no job. No jab, no job. And I'm sitting in my man cave room, and here's what came to my mind. No mark, no buy. No mark, no sell. And I went, oh my gosh. Up to that point, at that point, it jumped off the page. We are seeing in time specific things. The government is saying, if you don't do this, you can't work. If you don't take the mark of the beast, you can't work. If you don't take the mark of the beast, you can't sell. And, and Brent, up to that point, I'm going, that, 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 that will happen, the Bible says, but not any time in the near future until I saw that. So, did you know we're going to a cashless society? Now, it's no joke with me. If you take me out to lunch, you better bring money. Because I ain't got none. But we're moving to a society where you, dollars are just not a part of it. No mark, no buy. Oh, you, you don't have the mark of the beast, then you can't buy. Well, here's money. No, it's a cashless society. That doesn't work anymore. What are you saying, Dwayne? I'm saying, get ready. Jesus is coming back. That's what I'm saying. And we're seeing, and we're seeing, listen, listen, we're seeing end time specific. I know throughout the ages, people have said, well, these are really bad times. Jesus is coming, and he didn't. And it may be a thousand years now. But we are seeing specific things that the Bible says will happen, happening. Jesus is coming back. And we have got to be about the Father business. We don't have time for this other junk. We've got to be about the Father's business. We need to come together as a church, and churches need to come together, and we need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ 
Because there's a bunch of people out there who do not know Jesus. How does that practically play out, Dwayne? Well, we, we didn't get to James, but, but we're going to get to one verse. Because, again, the Father's business is sharing the gospel, but there are, there are multiple ways to even do that. Um, tagged right in the end of our scripture today was a scripture um, that James, the half-brother, who did become a believer, uh, yay. And in fact, he was the leader of the, the Jerusalem church, yay. He finally got it right. And here's what he said. He said, pure religion. And boy, if we had time, we'd talk about that. Pure religion in the sight of God the Father means, means, here's what it looks like, caring for the orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Two things. Practical holiness and practical righteousness. Practical holiness, you know, refusing to let the world corrupt you. Don't let the influence of the, na- of the Jesus, Jesus naysayers influence you. But at the same time, do, do care for the orphans and the widows. I know. Often I preach and perhaps you go and say... Dwayne, I don't know how to apply that. <laughs> I, I, well, you, it was a good sermon. It really wasn't like I even understood part of it. But, but I don't see the application. Boy, do I have the application for you. Because you see, in this world today, who desperately needs to see us being like Jesus, here's a great opportunity. Orphans and widows. Um, today, um, we want to give you the opportunity to hear about the Watoto ministry um, and the possibility of sponsoring a child in the Watoto ministry. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But right now, take a moment and let's watch this short video. Hello, my name is Samuel. My name is Patricia. Jillian Paz. <laughs> I like Watoto because we get everything we need. I'll call your name into the sun. Love you till my days are done. When I grow up, I want to be an aeronautic engineer. <laughs> when I grow up, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a pilot when I grow up. I love a turtle because we care for the community. <laughs> I like playing cards with my mother and playing with my friends. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Hello, this is Pastor Julius right here in Uganda, East Africa. God has given Watoto an incredible mission to rescue Africa's most vulnerable children and to raise these future leaders in a safe, Christ-centered home where they receive everything, food, clothes, education, a loving mother, and a family to belong to. Sponsors help make this possible. You can be a hero. Would you consider sponsoring today and changing a life? Please visit our website, watoto.com sponsor. Thank you, and God bless you. Yeah, so... My history, and Judy actually too, with Watoto goes back, I guess, about seven years maybe. Um, we were at the Southern Baptist Convention, wherever it was, 
And we walked into the room, and on the stage was this high-energy um, children's choir. It was just blowing us away. It was just incredible. And uh, they said on the stage, and I knew they were vetted well because the Southern Baptist had them. The Southern Baptist Convention had them. I knew they'd been checked out. So they said, come to our table, and we'll come to your church. And we did that. And it's been our pleasure to have Watteau now, Watteau about four times, I believe. Um, and like I said, they were here right before we were shut down because of COVID was the last time. So, so we experienced Watoto that way. Many of you have heard Watoto. Well, in 2019, in the summer of 2019, um, I was offered the opportunity to, to go over to Uganda, <laughs> go to Uganda a lot, and, but go to Watoto and see firsthand the, the villages, the, the, the moms, aunties, and the children and their ministry. And boy, I took that opportunity. And look at me, guys. I'm just telling you, this is the real deal. I saw with my hands the reality of this ministry, how these children are rescued from streets. There are no, there are no non-orphans here. They're all orphans, okay? Parents die by AIDS or by war. And so these kids are brought in, some as young as baby babies, and some, some as young kids. But they're taken, and they have family units, and there's an auntie there, and there are about six or seven or eight kids that live in the, each little cabin that they have. And they are given family. And they are educated. They are fed. Um, they are spiritually guided. And they are they're trained for a, a job, a career in their future. I saw this with my eyes. And I can tell you, if you're saying, Dwayne, there's so many frauds, this ain't one of them. If you want a way that you can practically live out caring for the orphans, this is it. This is it. And hopefully most of you have a card in your hand. And what you need to do is just go home. If you want to sponsor a child, if you want to go home, get on your computer um, or your smart device, probably would work also. And if you'll either scan that QR code or, or, again, go to that website, you can have the opportunity to pick a child. Now, this is not like compassion. Judy and I have a compassion child, okay? Had him since, you know, Faith was a little tiny baby. Had him for 18 years, 19 years, I guess, you know? So we do compassion. But with compassion, generally speaking, you know, one child, one sponsor. And compassion's good. They provide food and they provide school clothes and school supplies and something else. Watoto takes total care of the child from the time they arrive until the time they leave graduating from either university or high school. So it takes more than one sponsor. So if you pick a little girl over there, there might be four or five people sponsoring that child only because it takes that much. And I'm telling you, seeing it in my eyes, it's worth it. Well, in 2020... January, we took a team of six over to Uganda, and we were blessed again to go see Watoto. It's me and Judy and Tim and Benna and Ron and Melanie. And once again, we saw with our own eyes how wonderful of a ministry this is. If you want a way, you say, Dwayne, I don't know how to apply this scripture today. I've got that way, and that way is Watoto. And you can have a part in changing the future of a child in a very, very real way. Take that card. If you don't do computers, Dwayne, I need help, you call me. I'll come to your house or you can come to my office, and we'll get you signed up to sponsor. I believe this. And, and oh, 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 the widow part? Well, Judy and I happens to sponsor a, um, a two ladies. There's something called the Neighborhood Program, and these are women who are either widows or their husbands have left them, and they're trying to raise their kids in the deepest poverty, okay? 
Watoto comes in and provides food, provides a place to live, and teaches that lady a skill. And the apartment at 217 um, sponsors two of those ladies. Blesses my heart. See, here's an op- Do you understand? Here's a way you can help widows. Here's a way you can help orphans. It's reality. It's practical. It's applicable. You can do this today. That's not your gig. I've got something else. I've got something else. Did you know next week we launch Operation Christmas Child? Did you know that, that you can grab a box on the way out? And maybe two, maybe three? Grab a box and fill that box uh, with, with supplies and, and, and toys for a child somewhere in the world. And they're not all orphans, but a lot of them are. All of them live in horrible poverty. And they receive this box. And through a local church, through a local church, they are shared, they are shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each box comes with the gospel in that child's language. And, and, then, and then if they pray to receive Christ... There's the greatest journey. They are discipled. It's, you know, yeah, I know somebody was saying, you can get those African kids to do anything, give them a toy. They come to this meeting, I know, and they're going to get a box. They're just invited. And then they open the box. And then they hear the gospel. And many receive Christ. And many go through the greatest journey, discipleship. And you can have a part of that. You can have a part of that. So whether it's, whether it's Watoto with Orphans and Widows or OCC, we can apply James 1.27. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and widows in their stress and refusing that the world influence their corruption. That's our invitation today. We did this totally different. Yeah, Brent's going to stand down front in just a moment. We're going to have a song and close it out. But I hope you'll... If you didn't get a card, they're out on the table. But I think everybody got a card. Take it home. Even if you have no intention of doing it. No intention. Take it home. Lay it on the counter. Just leave it there. Who knows, maybe Tuesday, God might speak to you. And, and get a box. We're going to do it next week, too. But grab a box on your way out. Uh, if you have no intention of doing it, take the box. And lay it around. And maybe, just maybe, God will speak to your heart. It's a part of being in business for Jesus. Would you bow your heads, please? I know this is different today, isn't it? I probably preached a little stronger than I normally do. And, but boy, God really spoke my heart about this message. We have got to be about the business. Don't let Satan distract you. He's messing with us. Say no to him. Say yes to Jesus, and yes to the word of God, and yes to James 1.27, yes to orphans, and yes to widows, and yes to OCC. Father, thank you for the privilege of being the one to get to share all this truth today. I pray, Father, that you'll help with the Holy Spirit not to be too overwhelming. I want to ask God that, Father, that we will vouch your business. Jesus, if there's someone here came to seek and save that which was lost and they're lost today. God, we know how you feel. You love the whole world. You, you gave your son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Wow. Thank you for that. So would you have your way in this time of decision? Speak to our hearts not only this morning but in the coming days. And Jesus, I pray in your precious name.